my first travels through Europe, I was like, okay, you can't, you can't piss away an opportunity like that. That's something that, that's a once in a lifetime opportunity for most people. And you've had a one, you've had that once in a lifetime opportunity multiple times in your life. So you should cherish every moment you get to leave your hometown. And so you didn't piss it away. You learned from it. Exactly. So now when I reflect on it, I'm I'm a very negative self-reflection in order to get to the positive. My my entire thing is you got to go fight the darkness in order to get the light brighter. Right? If you want to shine more light on the world, you got to go fight the darkness. Fair, but it doesn't have to be dark. True. True. But it, when I reflect on myself, I typically and I don't know if it's a negative trait. I don't look at it as a negative trait, but I I negatively reflect things but you've on myself. You've always been hard on yourself. Yeah. What I, from what I've known of you, you've yeah. always been hard on yourself. I think it's an athletic thing. Uh could be competition. Could be. A lot of athletes set such high goals for themselves that are unreachable, that they're not willing to accept what they have got or what they can do because they, want, they always the, want to do more. I'm trying to learn that, trying to slow, kind of just stop. Like Ferris Bueller, if you don't stop and look around at life, it, it moves past you, right? So even after we built this place, it was like... I was lucky enough to learn that when my kids were very, very young. Mm-hmm. I read a book called To Love Is To Be Happy With. Changed my life. Really? And it was written by a fellow who had had a child... Um, who they thought was autistic and couldn't figure things out. Um, they, they dropped everything and changed how they were raising him. And against doctors' best intentions and medical practitioners, they just came up with their own system of just re- doing everything that he did, just mock- mimicking everything he did. Mm-hmm. And their message was, rather than you come into our world, we're coming into yours. Um, but that's the long part of the story. The other part was that he then wrote a book called To Love Is To Be Happy With. And it came down to two tenements for me. One is whatever your situation you have, do the best you can. If it works, don't take the credit. If it doesn't work, don't take the blame. Could you do better next time? Maybe with the knowledge you have then. But at that particular point, you did the best you could. Mm-hmm. So it didn't necessarily work because of you. It didn't necessarily fail because of you. You did your best. And that's kind of the reoccurring theme I'm finding with these like super spiritual monks and things like that is nobody yep. nobody praises but nobody blames right yeah there's and, it just happens and then the second tenement was expect nothing and everything's a bonus yeah. <laughs> right but i'm serious yeah so when i would tuck my kids into bed at night i would say i love you mm-hmm. if they didn't say it back i wasn't upset because i wasn't expecting them to yeah so every time they did say it back it was, a bonus. It was like wow that you, feels you're great expecting broccoli and you got a scoop of ice cream right that's what's wrong with broccoli oh don't <laughs> actually you know what good little steamed broccoli a little bit of salt a little bit of butter oh <laughs> But yeah, those two tenements or philosophies changed the way I looked at everything. Mm-hmm. And it's not perfect, but it certainly eliminated a lot of unnecessary stress and anxiety and pressure For sure. and expectation. Have you have you read the book Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck? No. I got I'll lend it to you. I got it. Okay. My my girlfriend bought it for me for my birthday. And essentially it's it's a different variation of those those two sayings where yeah. it's it's if you go in looking for the negative and the positive comes out like, hey, you should be happy. But you went in looking for the negative. If you get the negative, you should be happy. You got what you were looking exactly. for. Exactly. Essentially. And but it says aim so goddamn low that nothing can be above, like below you. Everything is gonna be awesome. Like if you aim at the worst Worst, okay, worst, I don't like situation. that. It, I'm so, aim, I'm aim high, I'm but don't, but don't so expect poorly. it. I got yeah, and I haven't read read it fully in a long time. Apparently so not. I'll send it. I'll send it your way, and you can uh, you can give me the cliff notes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's uh yeah. In a in a nutshell, it's a very it's just a different variation of it. It's really interesting. It's kind of basically yeah. If if you don't expect anything, you, everything's a bonus. Yeah, it's it's the same as the book. Don't sweat the small stuff, and everything's small stuff. You know, I, I've seen too many people in my lifetime, students, adults, elders, youngers, whatever, 
that just worry about stuff that they have no control over. So why are you worrying about it? Mm-hmm. You can't control that. And if you can, then try to. Yeah, exactly. You, should, you, you can't if you be can't, upset, right? Why are you letting that ruin what you can control? Yeah. Why are you letting that have a negative impact on the part of your life that is good? Mm-hmm. That's a choice you're making. You're making that choice to be miserable. I think people love to be miserable, though. I Some do. Something about Some do. And misery loves company. I, mean, I can't stand it. All these cliches come from somewhere, right? For sure they do. So. But I can't stand it. Why? Why? To me, misery is exhausting, and mm-hmm. I'm a lazy son of a bitch. So why would I go there? But exactly. But there's so many people that are the saviors. They want to. They oh, you're miserable, Griff. Let me get you out of. The, let me help you. And your misery is just gonna keep keep me no, around. You, you can't help you. me unless I want to help myself. Exactly. But those saviors, they want. They don't want to believe that message. Oh, they want to get you out of there. right? Good for them. Put, put them all together on a cruise. I and know. Yeah, a cruise. Exactly. Push them away. Cruise people need to stick together. <laughs> Bill Burr was onto something there. Yeah, I, there's something about cruise people. That's funny. Yeah, we're traveling on a cruise. <laughs> it's a hotel room. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, no, that's interesting. So, was it? Uh, how did you find that that philosophy changed? Like, was it a? It must have been a gradual change. Obviously, you didn't just. It was gradual. Words and then. And go, then oh, I got it. I got it. It wasn't as as slow as you would think. Okay. Um, because it just made so much sense to me. It just hit a chord that was really obvious that, wow, what, why am I, I've got two little children now that are the best in the world. They're not little children anymore. They're in their low 30s now. Um, they're still the best in the world. Um, still your little children, though. Exactly. <laughs> but why, why would I worry about stuff when I have them? And I have, I've always had a partner that's been amazing since the day we met. Um, how blessed am I? How lucky am I? That, like, who am I to complain about things when this is what I've been given? Um, it's fallen into my lap. So it didn't take that long to change. And then what happened was I would share the book with people that I saw stressing out too much or um, confused about their path. And I'd say, read this book let's and get back to me. And I had a couple of kids once when I was teaching up in the Comox Valley who wrote like a, an extensive essay on what they got out of the book. Yeah. Um, this one kid was amazing. Her name was Susan Burr. And I called her Bob because it stood for a bug off burr. Because yeah. <laughs> she always had questions. <laughs> and she wrote this amazing, I have it in my collection somewhere. It's one of the things that I did keep. She wrote this amazing analysis of this book and she got it. That she got it. Um, whether it changed her life or not, I don't know. But she certainly understood the message that was behind this writing. And it's a real simple book. It's not heavy reading. It's not mm-hmm. like, it just hit a chord with me. So yeah, it, it, the change was quite fast actually. So as a teacher, would you only get a small glimpse into a window of these kids' lives, but it's such a large facet, right? You get you have a small window that you're there for, but mm-hmm. it's such a huge chunk yep. of, of the growth. What's it like if you when you see them? You know, when you see students like myself, how many years, seven years later, and you, you see this growth, but, but you at the time you're like, ah, you're going to get it, but when, you know? You see or, more than you might you, realize. I think some teachers see more because they allow themselves to see more. Um, I was always very open. I, I tried to always. be very open with my kids, um, and I still use that term, kids. I don't mean that disrespectfully. It was just an easy word no, to it's use. No, just understood. Um, like I still call my old hockey coaches coach. Yeah, and from the very beginning, kid, the students always had my home phone number because if I wanted them to have it, first of all, so they had no excuses about homework and stuff. <laughs> like, did you call? No, okay, zero. good with that. You had your little website set up with Everything. Griff's Corner. And, yep. Oh, yeah, there was... Well, there's no, there's no excuses for not getting things done. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be as supportive as I can. Um, but also I wanted kids to have my number in case they needed it for emergencies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few kids that I was, they reached out, luck, I was lucky enough to be there, that they reached out when they were at functions that they couldn't get a safe ride home. 
So I went and picked him up. I don't, I don't need pats on the back for that or kudos. It was just, really? why, but why not me? Yeah. If well, I'm available, then why not me? Um, and I told kids, you can call me anytime because I mean, I quit drinking in 1986. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm the, oh, I, I can't really handle my alcohol, so I have very selective times. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm the first guy to say, listen, please, please call me at 3 a.m. Yeah. Please, because I don't want to. I don't want to hear that you 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 didn't get a ride home. You, you exactly. Shit ride the home. three worst days of the year for me were always uh, Halloween, New Year's, after grad, because I always waited till the next day to find out if everybody was okay. Exactly. I always didn't sleep well those nights. Be terrible. Well, because, and I still don't understand. But I'm sure there's a connection you have with students that it is almost like a guardian parent, but not that. No, no, I, no, no, absolutely. No? I'm agreeing with Sorry. you. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, it does exist. And again, it's because you allow yourself to be exposed to your own vulnerabilities. I always made a, a point of my wife visiting me at school a lot when I started my career so kids could see I'm in a happy marriage. Mm -hmm. My kids grew up at my schools when I was teaching so they could see that here's my kids. So I'm, I'm a very happy, content uh, family man. So kids saw that, that part of my life. Um, so they weren't afraid to expose parts of their life that I made myself available to if, if they wanted. I mean, my philosophy was always, I'm not going to approach you, but if you approach me, I'll be there for you. Yeah. And that's the same when kids graduate. I don't stay in touch with any student unless they initiate it. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm coming from a position of power and influence and I don't want to abuse that. Well, so if they get back in touch with me, it's, great. It's interesting. I, and I don't think enough teachers understand that, that they, the power and influence that they wield. I think you see a lot of teachers that just, it's a job. But same in any profession. True. Same yeah. in any profession. For sure. Um, but and how many professions are dealing with kids that are potentially going to go out and be? An, oh, for an, sure. An there's, I, th I think there's society. a lot more importance in. I mean, I've always said teaching is the second most important job in the world. For sure. I um, can say, yeah. And the top five for sure. Second. It's not oh, top five. You're firm on that second. Second. First right. is first okay. is being first one's being we'll a parent. Two. It's number two. First one's being a parent. That's the most important fair, job in the hey, world. Fair enough. That's a good order. I'll agree with um, that. But teaching, you have the ability to influence people positively or negatively, no matter what you're teaching. And for me, it was never the subject matter. No. I, was, I was able to teach a variety of different areas, but I always came back to English because it just allowed for anything. Really? And you can wing it. I can make this part of the curriculum if I want to. <laughs> exactly, right? By saying, okay, let's write an essay on that now. <laughs> Super. Um, let's make a radio jingle. Like, what? But exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it allowed kids to be expressive. And that's the biggest compliment I ever got was when I hear back from kids saying, you allowed me to express myself other than the normal way. Well, you taught me how to write essays by writing a song. I mean, that was to me. No, you taught yourself. Well, okay. I, so I opened a door. The ability to, to write essays yeah. through, through songwriting. But that, to me, I, just to... Have somebody explain to me, you have this capability inside of you. Here are some techniques that have been known to man to work. Go for it. Like, I'm here to help. Let's do it. And then for me to, you know, you just, you initiate it. You initiated everything. But it, again, yeah. But that made it more say. fun for me. But, but, but I don't want to read 30 freaking essays well, that are true, all the same all true, the time. Exactly. If I can get different things, that makes it more enlightening for me. Yeah. And to follow some, to help someone follow their passion. But you were the only teacher who put up with all my BS and read through it and called you know, you went through the steps, called my mom, you put me on blast in front of my mother, the one lady that I will listen to, the one, now that, well, this is before my, my, my current girlfriend, but the one lady that will, you know, has power over me, you just lit me up. Who, by the way, no way. that graduation, I don't know if you remember this, she had a trip planned for me for spring break. That got ripped out of my hands because of my own stupidity. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, no, don't you say sorry. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. But she was going to take me to my favorite hockey team, Washington Capitals. 
uh, and then okay, I'm sorry about that too. And then so that's your favorite oh, team. Dave, you just won the <laughs> That's my well, yeah, that's my boy on the wall. And side. after six thousand years, everybody wins one at some point. That's just, great. I'm not a Capitals fan. I'm more of a Novechkin fan. I should that's, say. That's okay. There that's worse. Go. So yeah, I was gonna go see my favorite player. He's displayed by uh, the way he celebrated how mature oh, he is. Oh, you're killing me here. Anyway, me. back back to your mom. <laughs> so she, I was gonna go see Ovechkin play, and we were gonna go see my favorite comedian at the time, Gabriel Iglesias, all in Washington D.C. Oh. And she goes. Yeah, well, I got told you got a 46 in English, Marcus. And I went, oh, no. And she, she showed me the tickets. And ripped, oh, not ripped them up. But she, she took them away from me. So, yeah, it was brutal. Oh, but, you're welcome. Uh, but you were the only teacher that said, no, it's not bad. Like, yes, it's bad, but we can fix it. We just got to work at this. And I need him to work at this. And without being humble, there's many teachers out there like that. I just happen to be cross you, your path. You're the only one who crossed my path that way. And that's a, that's a better way to lang- or word it, yes. Um, but out of my entire learning career my education career in the, the school system one out of how many and that to me is just a it's a bad average mind you i had great teachers that i could list on and i yep. probably only had a handful of poor ones yeah but the poor ones and the great ones are the only two that stick out it's not the middle see of that's the, the trouble with teaching is the poor ones have such a huge impact on kids in a negative way mm-hmm. that's the one thing i dislike too is i, I and i'll never diss teachers because it's, it's a tough gig um, and, and everyone's human. We're all capable of messing. But up. society keeps on putting more and more things into the school system. Teach this. Teach this. Teach this. And taking less responsibility away from the community and the parents. The number of kids in the biggest change I saw in my career was the lack of accountability as I progressed through my career. That parents would find excuses for their kids. Um, you know, you go back to my school days when it was the wood stove in the middle and <laughs> chalkboards. Um, you know, you Churn didn't, and butter and you did exactly <laughs> butter. Oh, Sorry, you were, you were one of the rich schools. You were one of the rich schools, <laughs> um, but you didn't get worried if your parent, if your teacher got mad, you got more worried about what your parents going to say when you got home. Cause that's yeah. who was going to be more disappointed and, and lower the hammer, not figuratively. Um, but that's, that's not the case anymore. Parents find excuses for their kids and they say, well, here's why this happened or here's why that happened. And, and I just, I've never bought into that and I never did. And what do you think is causing that? Uh, well, I guess we, absentee can, parenting. Is it absentee parenting? Yes. The the typical family now has two parents working. Mm-hmm. A stay-at-home parent is, is the, not the norm anymore. And in my growing up years, that was, that was the norm. Mm-hmm. There was a parent at home. So when you came home after school, somebody, had to somebody was there. Time and then somebody was there to, to help to de- either get you started on your homework or help you or, or deal with stuff. Um, to come to the meetings, to be there if there was a problem at school, that's not the case anymore. The I don't, and I'm not sure why I think I can't, it goes back to our conversation we had before we started this about material things. And if I have two incomes and we can get more stuff, oh, um, the, the greatest thing that my daughter who got married to, um, ironically enough, the daughter of a guy that I played high school basketball with. So I knew the in-laws before the children were born. Um, but that's, they met that way and they agreed right from the beginning that one of them would always be a stay at home parent because that's what they had had. And I look at the results of my two grandchildren and it's such a difference. It's such a difference. When I look at my son's daycare, it, sometimes you can see which kids come from single parent homes and which ones come from uh, two income homes and which comes come from stay at home, stay at uh, stay at home parent home. Mm-hmm. Um, just their development is different. Their their socialization is different. Their accountability is what where I started this is what's the biggest difference, and that parents hold them accountable. I love seeing a parent hold their kid accountable, whatever the age. There's different levels. Um, but to find excuses for them, to find reasons for them to be jackasses or twits or well, and I think a lot of especially the single parents too. Well, I know my mother 
she felt that her opinion wasn't valid towards me because she was a woman. She couldn't give me valuable life lessons because she didn't have the same perspective as I needed. She didn't have the perspective I needed at the time. And I'm thinking, who are you to say I need a, need a certain perspective? I mean, every opinion is going to be valid. It's, it's up to me to, to Absolutely. take it in, right? Absolutely. And I think that that needs, like, everyone needs to, to, to understand that it's, it's when your opinion needs to be heard, not if. Like, oh, does my opinion need to be heard? No, it's when does your opinion need to be heard? Is yeah, and you're, you're, you're sharing it? thoughts, not demands. Exactly. Have you thought of this? Have you looked at it this way? Not you should. It's that possessive, and I think, and I don't know what it's like, but I can only imagine it's, it's, it's pos- almost possessive with your child. This is a tribal, and a, a possessive in a tribal sense, mm-hmm. where it's, this is my kin. You know, you don't tell me how to raise, or I tell you what to do. I'm well, that's why I say it's the most important job in the world. Yeah. And, it, and yet it's the hardest one, and the one we have no training for. If you're fertile, you can apply. It blow, it scares the hell out of me. I got friends now that are just that are having mm-hmm. my one of my brother's best friends just had a kid and he's bringing little Briggs around and it's like, oh my god, one one mess up tonight and that could be me in nine months, right? I mean, not hypothetically, but still, it's like holy. Okay, please please don't call it a mess up. Oh, not a mess up, but. Unplanned. An unplanned. No, no, it's no, it's unplanned. It's not a mess up. A kid's never a mess up. I love that you keep my language accountable. I like that. Well, it has to be because that's the 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 power of words. For sure. And that's what I. You could have a kid watch this or hear this audio in ten years and go, "Oh, I was a mess up." But no, I just wasn't planned. My my philosophy right now on words is that I can't control how they're received. I can only control how I've delivered them. All the more important to choose them wisely. True, but anything can be perceived in any way is what I'm learning. Positive or negative, it depends on how you want to listen to it. I disagree. Really? Yep. I think you can phrase things in such a way that makes it crystal clear what your message is um, in such a way that can be received properly. That's why I think conversations are so much more important than emails and text messages. And that's why I think stuff like this is very important. Absolutely. Studies have shown that in communication, 10% is what we say, 90% is our body language and eye contact. So I, I'm not getting that if I send you a text message. Right. Ah. That I think is in, is is being interpreted incorrectly. Or emails. How many times have you hit send and think, oh my god, how do I retrieve that? Thank God Gmail put the undo button on. That's all I can oh say. Oh my I've, god, I've, hit, I've made use of that a couple times. <laughs> no, it's. I was just saying to a friend on text, like we need a sarcasm text or something. There needs to be some sort of button I can hit. But that no, but there is. It's called the power of words. Uh, true, true. I can word things in an email that are sarcastic as hell, and people but, know that they're sarcastic. But on a stale text. You know it's sarcastic because you're reading it in your cadence, in your in your inner dialogue. But I only text people who know me. That's true. That's true. So I mean, they're, you, they're, you have ways around it for sure. But what happens if if I started to text you to get you a, a you know some information to get you over to the studio, and you sent me a sarcastic text back, and I couldn't quite pick up on it? Then you don't deserve me. Oh, I like this. <laughs> yeah, just get it. Get it. I like that. <laughs> No, no. No, seriously. Seriously. I understand that, yes, it can be misinterpreted, Mm -hmm. but that's because people are careless with um, how they they word their thoughts and how quickly they hit send before they read their own message. And that's ultimate. Like people do this and they hit send and then they look at it and they go, oh, sorry, I meant this. Well, read the freaking thing before you send it, you doofus. I'm trying to be better than that. I sent out a a post. Spend 12 seconds instead of six. I mean, I think I'm worth it. Yeah, I paid for a post to get promoted, and as soon as you do that, you can't edit them, and I misspelled shirtless and put shitless. Nice! <laughs> so, I'm well aware of uh, of uh, editing, and self-editing is, is definitely a big one i got to work on. But everybody, everybody does. 
So what else is new? We've had the, we've covered on some cool things here. That was crazy. Um, life only gets better. It's true. It really does. I've like I said, I'm blessed with two great children. Uh, my son's owns and operates his own daycare, mm-hmm. Quail's Nest Daycare. Um, yeah, sorry, go plug it away. Get in there. Quail's Nest Daycare. Quail's Nest Daycare. His next opening is September of 2019. Yeah, damn. Uh, um, he has list. He has 20 people on his wait list. It's a, yeah, it's a five year wait list, guys. It's uh, no, it's honest. seriously. That's there crazy. are people on his wait list who aren't pregnant yet. That is awesome. Good for him. That's that's how that awesome. daycare in, in BC is horrendous. And you're saying that there's no screen time. There's sorry. There's a DVD player. He watches a movie when he's tired, which is maybe once every three weeks for about an hour. No, there's no screen time. There's no, they can't, kids we're can't bring little. Mud. We're playing, we're playing. We're outside. We're outside. Whether it's snow, rain, doesn't matter. So we're outside. I think imagination's dying because I don't see any kids playing. Uh, oh, not with this guy. With sticks or swords or, or sh- you know, I don't see any of that. Going my, on. I mean, I will brag about him because he's my son, but Absolutely. even if he wasn't, um, he'll put on a puppet show for the kids. Oh, hell yeah. Total ad lib. It'll last an hour. Oh, God. Good. He's, 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 his imagination has always been unbelievable. Well, and I think being around kids, it sparks it back up, right? Um, so, yeah, so you go to where I'm at now. So he's got that going. He's got a lovely partner. Um, we've told him that if he messes up, we're keeping her, and he's gone. I think my family members have all told me the same yeah. thing. So pressure's on. Um, <laughs> and then, as I said, my daughter, who's married and living in Ottawa, and they have my two grandchildren, uh, five and three. You live in the dream. You yeah. live in the dream. I get out there a couple times a year. There's actually a program called Encounters with Canada. Okay. It's the country's biggest youth forum, and kids in high school go to Ottawa for a week at a time. They pay about 600 bucks, and that's all in. That's their flight, their accommodation, their everything, meals, yeah. everything. Um, and each week has a theme. Could be medicine, law, sports, um, whatever. But they need a retired teacher to help run the program. So I've done that for the last four years now. Well, that's a good excuse to go see uh, the family. Well, it there. is because it's a, a free flight on your dime. So thank you very much. <laughs> Um, and then I can extend the flight either end to stay longer. So I go there for, uh, two weeks, um, and then stay for a week with my, my fam. That's awesome. But it's a, if my daughter wasn't there, I would still do this program. It's amazing. Really? And I wish I'd known about it when my kids were younger to have sent them to it. It's been going on for 30 years Hmm. and it's kids come for a week. They have to be recommended by their school. So there's no twits. Yeah, it's not um, like a kid, a last ditch effort to help save a kid. You're getting nope. interested and in these are kids that want to be involved, want to be kids. engaged. We have different sessions in in they call them meeting rooms, not classrooms. They get away from the school lingo, so we're monitors, not teachers. Oh, they're meeting rooms, so not classrooms. Yeah, um, so they get away from all that. The kids sleep in dorms. There's chefs on staff that do all the cooking, wow. and we just go crazy and have fun. And it's an amazing, it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. I bet. Um, they actually make you take one night off a week because you're Just so tired. Just to recuperate, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I read a, a very interesting book by Sebastian Junger called Tribe. And the book goes over how tribalistic humans are and how times of the direst, uh, the most dire times provide the most happy. Like mm-hmm. that's when people are the happiest. It's when depression's the lowest because everyone has a job, everyone has a, yeah. a purpose. But there's a small segment in there where he talks about raising kids and how how much effort it took to raise children back in the day uh, because it was so rare for a kid to make it even out of the, you know, just make it fine, be fine and be born. Yeah. That, that the saying it takes a, a village was no joke. And, and so when you say that it's, you know, this program's exhausting, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, you have all these minds, these thirsty minds that want to be there. These kids are willing and want to learn. Yeah. yeah, that alone, one of those kids in a classroom is enough to 
to drain you. Imagine having a full meeting room, I guess. But, but that's what jacks you up. Exactly. It fills you energy, but at the end of the day, you, you realize, holy kid, we need to recuperate. Yeah, but, what a, get this but what a great tired. Yeah, right? What a great tired. But think about how many people are involved to get all that, those wheels in motion. That's awesome. That yeah. fires me right up that there's programs like that. It's on, it's so, so good. That is awesome. Because so, I feel like, yeah, the, the school lingo is a big part of it. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's very... Um, you know, they're participants, not students. They just, they get rid of all the language that to not be associated with the school. Damn, yeah. So no, cool. it's it's really, really cool. So who linked you up with that? Uh, my wife's aunt, actually. She's been doing it. She said, when you retire, you got to check into this. Yeah. All my years of teaching, I'd never heard of it. <laughs> of course, right? Just been the blind spot. Yeah. Um, and so I applied and got picked right away. They have more monitors than they need. So if you get picked oh, each, each awesome. year. I just got an email this morning that I I got a gig in September. Cool. So I'll be heading back out there then. That is so cool. Um, yeah, I'm very excited. And so do you teach a different bunch of different uh, courses, or are you just go on? Well, there the kids and... are there for a week for their theme. Oh, sorry, yeah, you just do the one theme. Yeah. So, so they'll have stuff so that we do all together. Based upon your skills, in or no. do you just get no? You, you just, go... just a responsible adult that knows how to control teach. kids. That's awesome. They lay everything out for you. Oh, cool. So we do a lot of stuff together as so a big it's group. So just ex-teachers. It's not even specialties necessarily. No. That's really cool. no. No. There's some really cool teachers that want to be there as well. Yeah. Like, so that's, again, and I think that's the first step is you got to have people that are willing. Well, it's the willing. passion. If you if you go there and you're not passionate, like first of all, it's a volunteer thing, so why would you wouldn't do it anyways? Yeah. <laughs> um, there's no pay. Well, unless you're trying to, you know, you got some community hours you got to rack up here for the court system. No, you have to provide a criminal record check, <laughs> okay. actually. Okay. So, yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's a great gig. Like I said, if my daughter wasn't in Ottawa, I'd still do it. You'd still be doing it. That's yeah. awesome. It's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, we need uh Chris, you got to be get, we got to get you a TV show or something teaching people how to teach. <laughs> um, we need more people with your it, mindset. It's funny you say that. I the second year out of retirement, I got hired by UVic to work with student teachers. Really? I hated it. Makes why is that? I just felt a sense of entitlement Ooh, from them. Okay, is it the new generation then you think? Or maybe I just got you a bad head and dealt. Yeah. I don't know. I had they were really nice kids, mm-hmm. um, and they were pretty good with their craft. But I just felt, man, I think I have something to offer. Why aren't you tapping into this? I, I noticed that, and as I well. know that sounds egotistical, but mm-hmm. I thought, you know, here's your chance to learn from someone who taught for thirty years, that has a, a wealth of resources, if not knowledge. Um, why are you not asking more questions? Why are you not saying, what would you do here? What would you do there? Exactly. And I found it really unsatisfying for me. Um, so I just did it the one semester and then said, sorry, I'm not doing this anymore. Well, and that's why I said I don't like to teach people. I like people to learn from me. Yeah, that's and a good so, way of putting that's it. Where I, that's why I do this, where I can control what I'm going to put out. Yeah. And yes, there's going to be times when my guests are going to check me. Thank you. That's why I have my, my English teacher here so I can, you know, get my guidelines back. But, uh, you know, so I can, I'm in charge. So if you don't like what I'm hearing, tune me out. If, or you don't like what I'm saying, tune me out. But those, those who want to listen can't. Rather than okay, you hired me to teach you. If I'm not up to your expectations, I'm in trouble. Yeah, and my philosophy was always I'm not the only one teaching when I was teaching. I always said I always thought a teacher. A, it's not teacher up here and students down here. If anything, it's the reverse. Mm-hmm. But I tried to see it more on a balance of yeah. okay, we're in this together. Let's go forward. You're going to ask me questions that I don't know the answer to, but let's find them out together. Exactly. Um, I don't know. There are a lot more teachers that are smarter than I am. Um, you're going to find, be hard pressed to find anyone more passionate. Um, yeah. and that was, that was my strength and that's what I worked from. Um, 
I mean, I got better at the material as I went through it over the years, simply by repetition. But when I started, I mean, my, my training was as a history social science teacher without Dorette as a minor. Spent my whole career teaching English. Yeah, I was going to say, how do you make the transition? Well, because initially principals could assign you whatever they wanted. Oh, what? You just so, needed a degree? Yes. Okay. Basically. So my first year teaching, I had two socials classes, two English, two PE, and an outdoorette. And at all seven the different classes. man. <laughs> or can't do much, so let's just <laughs> spread them around so we can only cause harm in a little bit. Um, and I just fell in love with teaching English for reasons I've already mentioned. Um, but I was, I was, my career was lucky. I was in the right place at the right time so often. My second year teaching, we had a group of kids. It was a seven, eight, nine school. We had a group of kids in grade eight that no one really wanted to teach in the next year. They were just a handful. Um, discipline issues, behavioral issues, uh, substance issues. So I went to the staff in May, the year prior, and I said, you guys pick the 14 kids you don't want, and I'll take them for English, social science, and math. Have I told you this? You have, but I wanted to let you keep going. Okay. So I'll teach them for English, social science, and math. Um, the trade-off is I get to pick the 14 students that I want to teach outdoor ed. Mm -hmm. So this was my select group. I'm teaching outdoor ed so I can have some peace of mind. These 14 kids, they're going to struggle, but we're going to figure it out. These were the worst of the worst. Yeah. As far as the teachers are concerned. From their point of view. Um, good people, but just struggling for whatever reason. First day of school, two get suspended before school opens. Oh, good. Oh, you got a good old batch. So I'm down to 12. <laughs> They walk into the classroom, it's empty except for my desk and my chair. Yeah. There's no furniture, there's no posters, there's no chalk, there's no, no there's literally nothing. My desk, my chair. And they walk in, they look around, I said, have a seat. They look around, I said, have a seat. So they sit on the floor, fold their arms all rough and tough, stare me down. I said, when you have something to work with and something to work on, we'll get started. Until then, this is where you're going to be three hours a day. <laughs> that was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, three hours. They sat there and stared at me. I go home that weekend. I said to my wife, Shari, I said, okay, someone's got to blink. And if it's me, I'm hooped for the rest of the year. Yeah. She said, give it one more day. I said, okay. Pull up Monday morning, toughest kid in the class. He's brought in his leather reclining chair, a, fl a floor rug, a dining room table, and a lamp. <laughs> and he sits in his chair, turns the lamp on, kicks back his feet. I'm ready, Mr. Griffin. What are we doing? <laughs> so without batting an eye, I'm thinking, oh, thank you. So I sit with him and we work all day. 13 kids staring at us. Oh By the end of the week, the classroom looked like a bad garage sale. <laughs> they had gone to the custodian, to the neighbors, to whatever. It was just a collection oh of just crap. There was no desk in the room, but chairs, tables, yeah, lamps, yeah. whatever. You had like grandma's attic up oh, in the classroom. <laughs> only if grandma was medicated. <laughs> um, it was bad. But it, but it worked because it was their choice. They chose to bring what they wanted to. Um, we got to a point where we worked on the contract system. So first thing Monday, we'd have a, a, a team meeting and they loved it when I moved the meeting to my house because I only had to block away because then they could <laughs> smoke during the meeting um, on my deck, which I thought, we can smoke during school time with a teacher. This is the best gig ever. <laughs> um, so they'd smoke and have coffee and we'd have the meeting. We took turns chairing it. And at the meeting, we would decide anything to do with the classroom. If a poster was going to go up on the wall, we had to all agree on it oh, or, wow. or at least reach consensus. Yeah. If we were going to change anything, we had to reach consensus. And my vote was no more than theirs. Wow. So a lot of times, nothing got done. How did your peers handle that, giving them so much power? Give it, you giving this? Oh, they were happy power. not to have them in their classes. So they, they were... The other teachers? Yeah. They could care less. No. So did it, you get any any resistance for, None. for that? None. I had these really? 14 kids for over half their timetable. They time were just table. like, take them. We don't, give a, we don't care. 
It's not that we don't care. It's just that we don't have to handle those issues now. This was before class size language was in the teacher's contract. So their classes actually had to be a bit bigger for me to only have 14 kids. But they felt the trade-off was worth it. Because wow. one or two misfits, as far as behavior whatever in your classroom, can just be so kills disruptive. It, right? it just kills, it kills So we went to a contract system where after the meeting, we'd go back to the classroom. They'd write up what they wanted to do in their four subjects for that week. I'd look over it. If it wasn't, wasn't enough, I'd have to add a bit. If it was too much, I'd say, that's not realistic. And if the contracts for everybody was finished by Thursday, we took Friday off. And that's why I said 14 kids, because the school had a 14-passenger van. And we'd go hiking or backpacking <laughs> or canoeing or because Comox Valley, oh my gosh, there's so much you can do you there. you got nature on your back door no matter where you are. We got about one Friday a month off. Yeah, no kidding. They right? just weren't finished. Or if they, and what, what eventually happened, Marcus, was as they started to finish, they'd put pressure on the other kids to finish. You know, get your yeah. act together. I don't, I don't want to be here on Friday. No, yeah, what are you doing? We need to. Yeah. So they started to help each other. It became, it became I mean. So you got a positive result out of that. You didn't mostly. Get the, you didn't get the, um, what's the word, the, that uh, gang mentality. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, again, they saw my vulnerability. I was only a second or third year teacher, so pretty young. Um, but they saw that. Look who it is. Hold on. Just hold the phone. We're, we're, we're going, but yeah, come on in. Come on in. Mr. Griffin, this is my mother, Kelly, the Hi. first, and then her sister, I'm Laurel. How are you doing? We're, we're on, my but come on in. We're on. Hi. We can edit this out if you guys don't want to be a part oh, of it. Where's, where's Curtis and Olivia? I thought they were down here. Uh, they're probably upstairs. Oh God, it's hot it is hot in here. Yeah. Hot in here. We got some waters oh. and stuff. That's not me because I have never been a fan. <laughs> well, you look good. Well, you're, you haven't got your glasses on. <laughs> 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 you haven't changed at all. So I was this bad before. Uh, no, I, oh. I think. Super. I have zero complaints in life. Well, that's good. Retirement's good. Uh, retired, but subbing over, a couple times yeah. a week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all over? All over the Mainly just Mount Doug and Oak Bay. You should hear about this program as oh, part of in Ottawa. It's fantastic. My brothers are, are yeah. clients of mine, and I'm really good friends. I love them. Okay, yeah, they're awesome. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. Well, they would have been there. They, they, well, Jeremy, Brady, Brady came after Brady, I retired. Yeah, Jeremy caught Kurt, but not Brady. me. I got kicked out of Jeremy's class. You did? After my shoulder surgery, I failed to keep up with the other students, and then I just stopped showing up. kicked out of everybody's class. Not mine. Except, oh, yeah, right. yeah, except Griff's class. Griff didn't yeah. kick me out. He called you in. Yeah. That's what we were saying. We already yes, told the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yes, yes. called you in, and then yes. you kicked my ass. Yeah. You took away the trip. Actually, that was right, exactly right. You took away the Ovechkin trip. Right. and the, yeah, we, Oh, right. don't worry. We went down memory lane, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah tune on in. Yes. This episode will be released yes. in... Uh, yeah. Because I had tickets to go see the Washington Capitals and your... Oh, get on the mic. Get a mic in your face here. Get your mic in a... No, I'm not getting my mic in my face. I don't need to talk about that's it. That's funny. But, but we were t I was just talking about um, Brady Quast is married to Rich Lapp's daughter. Oh, okay. Here we yeah. go. Yeah, now so, this is yeah. really Victoria. Yeah. 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 So, anyways, we just thought we'd stop in. I just wanted to say hi. And, and Thanks. Good to see you. Yeah. And thank you again for for helping my son graduate because it's I know okay. he, I got paid. He wouldn't. <laughs> That's good. You're not wrong. How's his brother doing? They're both good. Oh, I only know Jim. Nope, he's doing fine. Yeah. He's actually working for Wilson's right now. Transportation? Yep. Really? Yep. Doing the airport shuttle. Really? I should phone them because we, uh, we're for our Vegas trip. We always phone Wilson's down the left. You should phone them. Hell yeah, there we go. Networking, the Curtis Project, bringing people together. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah, it would be great. Jim would be a good driver. 
There we go, Kelly. Well, set it up after the show, hey? Where's the other kids? They're upstairs, probably. No, she's steps in. They were down here in they the studio. Down they aren't? No? Oh. What? John, this is my sister, Laurel. <laughs> this okay. is my producer, John, Auntie Laurel. We're, we're, going. <laughs> we're going. We'll let you finish. Sounds good. Thanks, Kelly. Yeah, hey, if you wanna if you wanna sponsor the show, maybe we yeah. can get some air conditioning money going, hey? <laughs> there we go. Okay, see ya. Cheers, thanks, Cal. So rudely interrupted by my mother no there. No worries. I don't know where we were. Parents can't interrupt. I know, right? We were talking about my class. Yes, okay. Yeah. So you, you went uh... So bottom line was there was some success out of it, not okay. all. Yeah. Uh one kid ended up doing some damage to his high school. Oh no. Um yeah, it was pretty sad. Another kid I ran into at the... Do you ever remember the JC Fair in Victoria? Probably before your time. I Well, I'm not local here either, right? Oh, okay. Used to be a big fair that used to be held, but where, now, where now the police station is, but that was a big ground. Okay. Anyway, it was a big local thing. And I'm going there once, and this guy comes running up to me from the end. <laughs> his name was Gordon. And he goes, Mr. Gravin, Mr. Gravin, I haven't <laughs> seen you for so long. I said, Gordon, he said, you'll be so proud of me now. I said, why? What you doing? He says, I don't do drugs anymore. Now I just drink. <laughs> <laughs> I said, wait a minute, Gordon. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh, man. It was lovely. Oh, you got to have some classics like that every <laughs> once in a while, though. It was a beauty. That is awesome. Jeez uh, Louise. But yeah, it had some of the kids did well after that. Um, the next year I tried it again, but it was the uh, kids that were struggling more academically, not um, emotionally. Mm hmm. But then halfway through that year, I got canned by the lovely Bill Vanderzam government. Okay. Teachers were let go. Uh, I didn't want to tell my wife because she was pregnant at the time. So she finds out at a staff party. Oh, good. From someone else. Oh, How's no. Rick dealing with his pink slip? <laughs> what pink slip? Yeah. Ooh. Okay, honey, we'll talk at home. <laughs> um, but then luckily I got onto a job at a different school for someone who was taking a leave of absence. And then from there, I went to Hornby Island for a year. Wow. And taught a grade six, seven class. Sorry, four or five class. Okay. Um, having never taught elementary school before, and I would never do it again. They Why is that? They work way too hard. Oh. There's no downtime. <laughs> That's, well, they got so much energy. Oh, but they're just constantly wanting. It's just too much. There yeah. was. Uh, I only taught 0. 0.7, so I was done by Thursday at lunch. Most exhausting teaching year of my career. Hands down. <laughs> Hands down. I was literally a day ahead of the kids. Um, I couldn't call in a sub because I wouldn't know what to tell the sub. You just you had not enough, not enough hours in the day to tell them? Nope. Holy. Um, and then I came back to Victoria because my dad was dying of cancer at the time. So we just packed up. We had two kids. Um, and we just said, let's make a go. But we had enough money to last us till the end of October. And we moved down to Victoria and rented an apartment in Oak Bay. And the Tuesday, the Tuesday before school started, I got hired at Arbutus. We had enough money for another six weeks. Holy. And we just started fresh. Dang. Yeah. The golden era. And then I was there for 16 years, and then at Mount Doug for 11. Jeez. When you when you look back on it like that, it seems like it goes by in a heartbeat, eh? I can't believe it. It's crazy. I mean, I can still see those first-year kids. Oh, no doubt. I can still remember stories with them. Some of them I'm still in touch with, which is... I, when I retired, yeah. rather than have a retirement due, I had a retirement basketball tournament. Oh, that's so cool. And I invited back all the kids I had ever coached. That is so cool. And about 100 of them showed up. It's a good uh, turnout. And they had to pay $10 play or more if they wanted and all the money got donated to sport victoria so which is cool. do you know the organization heard of it it's for kids that can't afford okay, to play sports okay that's so really we just cool donate all the money there it's awesome um we had a silent auction going we had a 
concession going. So you did, you made it way more bigger than yourself. I like that because that well, always trips me out about retirement. But hey, back to, look at me. Yeah, I could care less. <laughs> um, but the reason I, I bring that up is because the, the guys I coached my very first year uh, was a boys team. One of the only two times I coached boys, um, they got together and came. One of the guys is now a, a highfalutin lawyer in Atlanta. Wow. Uh, he just phoned some of the other guys and said, we got to go. Yeah. So they came. They actually came a day, day early and gave us, took us out, my family out for dinner. And they gave me this little mantle clock. And they said, is this, this is to represent all the time you gave us that we never said thank you for. Holy. Um, so they didn't play in the tournament because it was mainly all the girls' teams. But they just hung out all day. That's so But cool. they made an effort 30 years later to come by and, and say hello. It that's, was amazing. That's so It was cool. amazing. I, I mean, I, I don't even think I was in town, but I wish I would have been a been remotely it was been Marcus, it was so much fun so many kids came to play so cool. and other kids came just to watch and we like i said we had a salad auction going on to raise more money and we had a little griff quiz going on to see who the hell knew me better um sad to say no one in my family got that correct oh um well you spent a lot of time with those students exactly though. exactly um it was just fun and we had a barbecue at the end for tell me you had a grotto tell me you had griff's grotto set up somewhere <laughs> tell me you put the grotto somewhere in the basketball tournament sorry nope Oh, no. you're killing me. That was, was my favorite part of it that. Was, it was classroom. retired, too. It was retired, too. Oh, oh well, because you were supposed to teach me in grade nine. That was the year that uh, Dr. Fawcett had his issues. Okay. Um, uh, and so you, you were active principal. You moved into active vice principal. principal. Vice principal, sorry. Yeah. Let's keep it, let's keep it on. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, well, so I, I got a terrible memory ever since That's the okay. concussions, right? Because well, he came to me on the Friday. Um, but you, you were my teacher for the first week, and I remember first day walking that. in, and I said, Okay, I like this guy. He's got a little grotto. Like I, that, that that resonated with me instantly. And then it was by Friday we had Mr. Wallace. Yeah, <laughs> I go where the what? No, where's that? And then yeah, I didn't. We didn't cross paths again until grade twelve. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. So I've I've been a uh, bums me up to hear the grotto didn't make an appearance. Sorry, Griff. man. But it got the the year I retired. I had an, uh, a going out of business sale. Okay. Um, for all the other teachers. <laughs> yeah. And I just said I put all this stuff I wanted to keep. Over to the side. Yep. And I just said, come in at lunchtime, take what you want. Cool. So my couch is still there. My water fountain is still there. The palm tree is oh, still there. So the cool. chair. The, the, somewhere in Mount Doug, they still exist. They got, yeah, it's just deconstructed. Yeah. The grotto deconstructed. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, that was a fun one. I'm trying to think back at. Uh, oh, I didn't know I had you in grade nine. That's funny. For four days, you had me in grade And I remember thinking, because after the first couple of days, like, it was, uh, I think it was more than that, maybe a couple weeks we, you, you taught Two us. weeks max. Maybe, yeah. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to survive. <laughs> this guy's going to kick my ass. And then, yeah, that, that last Friday, new guy? Old guy's not got... <laughs> okay, I, I can handle I got that. a shot. <laughs> yeah, okay, we can figure this out. But yeah, and then in grade 12, I just remember going like, oh God, like this guy's going to make me work. And because well, you didn't, you didn't fall for any of the BS that zero. some other teachers, I don't know if they fell through or just didn't want to fight. They're just like, okay, I'll let you win this one. Zero. I'll let you win this one. I always prided myself on that. Yeah, yeah you never. International thought. students used to run to the counselors when they saw me on their schedule. <laughs> they did. They, <laughs> to, to run. switch. Oh yeah. Really? Oh, I can't be in that class. He's too hard. He, you were. You and then, were and then a, a former international student. I'm driving on Mackenzie by. What uh, doesn't matter. Anyways, I'm pulled up at a traffic light. Car pulls up behind beside me. Guy rolls down the window. It's a former student of mine. And he goes, Mr. Graffin, Mr. Graffin, do you remember me? I said, yeah, of course I do. Didn't no, have, of course Didn't you have a clue. Um, and he goes, when I was in high school, I hated you. <laughs> but now that I'm at university, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be the most heartfelt message you could get. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. I 
like I said, you you showed me how to write write essays. Well, you showed me the ability that I had inside of me to write exactly. essays, and and just just that alone. To me, like, it was always about being fair, not equal. Mm-hmm. Equals not good in education. It doesn't make sense. Equality, well, true well, equality, no. is unequal. I could give the same test to a blind student and a deaf student and a another student, and that would be fair. Sorry, I mean that would be equal. But it wouldn't be fair. Mm-hmm. So. Kids always say, well, how come you did that for that person, not for me? Well, well it's like, have you seen that uh, that diagram where it's the fence and then y- the, the different heighted people? Yes. Are, yeah, what equality, equality versus is? fairness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so, very interesting. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, just the way you taught always resonated with me, though. Yeah, I've told the story of you saving me from, I say you saved me, right? Not that you, because <laughs> I honestly, I don't know where the hell I'd be if, if you didn't smarten me up. There's a couple influences in those three consecutive years in high school, grade 9, 10, and 12. Because 11, I was in Ontario, and it kind of set me backwards. Yeah. Um, but aside from the bonds and the people I met, the people I met over there helped me, propel me forward like no other. Right. But the actions and the situations I had in grade 11 definitely mentally set me backwards. But in grade 9, 10, 11, there was three major influences. And two of them happened in hockey in grade 9 and 10. But grade 12 was you sitting me down and going like, your shit stinks. It does. You think it doesn't, but it does. Okay, for the record, I did not use that phrase. Use that. I paraphrase that for sure. But <laughs> you know what I mean? It's you you're, you calling me out on it and knowing I'm not immortal. Learning that. And you're I learned kind. really quickly. I think you're overinflating it, but you're kind. For sure I am. But yeah, it's, I'm, I'm a dramatic um, guy. That's okay. But yeah, <laughs> that's I just, English resonates. I, but I loved what I did. And I think kids knew that. I loved what I did. You know, the expression, if you love what you do, you're not going to work a day in your life. I believe that. I never saw it as a job. It well, was, you racked up two years worth of sick days, Griff. I could, it's funny. <laughs> I could have retired a year early on full salary Just with, a, on with his days. doctor's note saying he's he needs a, a rest. Yeah, what was your plan, strategy? Because you could only do four in a row. You were going to teach every Friday. Something like that. I think that's what you told us in but grade I, 12. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Oh, but yeah, I, I retired with enough sick days that I could have cashed in the whole year. How, how many sick days did you take in your career? Can you can you list them? The first, the first part of my career, next to none. Uh, I would say that all the time I taught in the Comox Valley, I took one, and that was because a girl that we were uh, fostering at the time had run away, and so we were up all night looking for her. Fair. I had a happy ending, but too long to go into. Um, so the next day I was just exhausted, so I took a day. Um, but none others in the Comox Valley at Arbutus, next to none. I mean, I had a days off when I was coaching and I was away with the team. Um, but no, it's it's a weird profession, Marcus. It's more work to be away. I can go in and teach and I know exactly what I want to do, how I want to do it, where everything is, that kind of thing. To bring someone in, I have to, first of all, write down everything I want to do and then hope that they do it. And if they don't, then I've got to recover from what they did. Now I'm behind even more. Um, so when you found a good sub, you kept them. Like I had one guy, his name was Nick Gringo. He now teaches full-time. Um, Gringo? Else? Nick, you know? His last name is Gringo? Yeah. Oh, that's fancy. I, I just love that. That's a great oh. last name. And chalk that man I up. actually to- taught him in Comox. Oh, really? Um, his dad, when I was single, his was dad. Was he part of the, the crew? No. Oh. No. He was one of my outdoor ed kids from the the hand-picked ones that I chose. He was. He was part of the 14. Yes. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> um, what are the odds that he comes full circle back and oh, I know. subs for you? Right? Oh, I know. That's crazy. I know. And anyway, but I knew that he would do exactly what I had laid out, which as a teacher is critical because you don't want to come back behind. Um, is that why most substitutes would just come in and lay it up? Hey, guys, I'm a sub today. Let's watch a movie. Is that why? No. Just to because, pause the day? No, because often that's what the teacher would leave mm-hmm. because they didn't want to leave stuff that mattered. That's what I'm saying. Just so they can oh, put so, the yeah, day yeah. on pause. Yes. And that way, yes. that way it's okay. Let's try not most to have, have a, moving. Most teachers have a big ego. 
and that <laughs> I, no one else can do this as well as I can for this particular class. But I think you class. need that. I think if you, Tempered. Are, if you are going to teach these set of kids for this set of time, nobody can do it but you. You have to have that that ego. To a degree, but, mm -hmm. but it has to be tempered. Controlled, yeah. It's, it's To me, it's more about classroom management than about knowledge. That's I'm a, a living proof way. of that. I like that. Um, way, way more teachers were smarter than I was. Um, but I, I just felt that I had a way with communication, which was to my advantage. So I didn't take a lot of sick days um, through my career. I took more towards the end. Um, well, just not Fair not enough, to belittle though. the point, but I you know I had a couple of health issues and I was just looking after myself and didn't want to burn out. Um, well, you were you were tiptoeing towards the finish line. I think you deserved it <laughs> with with very minimal ones. But yeah, but again, it's more work. Guilty. But it's more work. True. Like typically, when I would be away on a Friday, my classes would all have essays. Yeah. So that the, the sub didn't have to do anything. But then I'm coming back to a stack of essays yeah. to mark. <laughs> so it's like okay, thanks. Now I'm just gonna be sick again. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I can mark all these. Um, it's a weird gig that way. So that's interesting. I never thought of it that being way. Being a sub now, because I said to a few teachers, "Do you feel badly that you're asking me to come in when I'm retired? And I'm taking away a day's pay from someone who's struggling." And almost without question, there's the response is no, because you do it right. <laughs> um, so it's 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 interesting that way that they they're willing to allow me to use my strengths to put something together. Mm -hmm. um, but it it's no one realizes that from an outsider point of view. It's Teaching is a different gig yeah. when it comes to taking a day off. People yeah. think, oh, you know, you have so many days off now, and why would you take a sick day and blah, blah, blah. Well, first of all, you're surrounded by germs all day, um, <laughs> and not everyone coughs into their elbow. Um, well, that's only a recent thing, right? That's only like four or five years old, yes. that elbow one. And all the hand I don't get it how it took us so long. Like, who taught us to put their hands and then just, yeah. Doctors, so they could stay employed. <laughs> that's going deep into the conspiracy <laughs> farm there, Griff. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it, it's a, it's a perception that most people don't get about the education system, that it's more work to be away. Well, and that's always, that's why I have people on is, is I need to know the perspective. I need to know different perspectives on, on this issue. Cause so being a sub now, it's awesome because I, I just show up, I do what I'm told. My daughter said, dad, you're going to hate it. You won't do well. You're cause you're not a, you're not a layup sub though. You're not a chuck a movie on and let's, let's well, nurse no, this but my daughter over. said, my daughter said, dad, you're too much of a control freak. You're <laughs> going to be able to go into other people's classrooms and follow their rules. You know, my room, no coats, no hats, no electronic devices, no nothing. Yeah. You're here I mean, to learn. I had a rule that if you had a, your phone out, I, it was mine for 24 hours. Yeah. Well, can you do that? No, but yes. <laughs> not really, but um, are you going to challenge well, me? Well, what if my parent phones you? Well, it'll probably take me 24 hours to find it. I don't know where I put it. Um, so going to other classrooms where people allow these things, that's their rules. So I, I just have to live with them, which I've been able to adjust to really easily. In a sense, you can control yourself by following the rules. Exactly. Right? So you're still um, in control. But now I'm still having fun. I'm at the same schools enough that I still make relationships with kids, but I don't have meetings. I don't have marking. I don't have committee work. I don't have the politics. You're, you're what I like to call, and what I'm looking forward to in life is you're the 15-minute uncle. You get the kids hopped up on the sugar. You get them thinking, wow, he's – that's – you know what? I want to hang around him all day. And then you dip out before they can think or before the sugar really kicks in and before they can get too nice. sick. Yeah, that's what I'm – I'm looking forward to be the 15-minute 15, the 15 uncle. Yeah. Hey, kids, here's some candy bars. Yeah, Uncle Mark says hi. All right, Kurt, you have fun with your kids now. I'm going to take off. Yeah, what a horrible person you are. Oh, terrible. I can't wait to do it to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no one's inviting me over when they have their kids. So exactly. I'm excited for it. So yeah, I know it's been fun, but probably another couple of years and then I'll pull the pin completely. Really? Well, I said I'd go until my wife retires and she's got anywhere from one to three or four years left. That's up to her. And then what? You ride off to the sunset? Um, my ties no in idea. Mexico? Well, I don't drink, man. 
Yeah, it's a slippery slope. I'm not a big fan. I don't like the taste. That's my issue. That's why well, I stopped. I had it. too much of it run in my family history. So I, the, the night my dad died, I went home and had a drink and pulled the pin. That's it, eh? And said I quit. I had a two-year-old and a one-year-old and a lovely partner. You. And I said, I'm done. Wow. And I don't miss it. Well, I know. You, and then you smoke your cigar on your birthday, right? Or on your cake Christmas. day? Or Christmas. Christmas with my two brothers. Yeah, have you seen? Yeah, I have awesome. one cigar. I love I quit, that. Because I quit smoking, what, 10 years now? Really? Um, I tried several times. Great story. Great quick story. You hit it. Well, quick. You got all the time in the world, Griff. There's no rules here. Okay. So I tried to quit several times. One time I had quit, and my kids knew I had quit, but I still smoked. And I said to my wife, if they ever, I go outside, if they ever come outside, um, just whistle so I know they're coming. Yeah. Well, my that's daughter. That's noble. I can, daughter, I can say that's noble da- at least. My daughter comes out once. My wife doesn't see her come out. Comes around the corner, and there's dad smoking. Uh-oh. She looked at me, glared, didn't say a thing, stormed back into the house. So put it out, follow her to my bedroom. She's sitting on my bed, just waiting for me. Oh, Jeez. God, that is one of the most terrifying things. Six, I could seven years old. Oh, geez. And just this little it. ball of fury sitting yeah. there. And she just lays into me. Like at one point, my wife asked, said, I need to stop her. And I, I said, no, let her go. And not the right words, but she was saying, you're a hypocrite. You're, you lied to us. Why do you want to die? Why don't you love us? Like it was brutal. Up one side, down the other. And at the end, she goes, Dad, I still love you. But right now. I don't like you very much and walked out of the room. You've used that a couple times in the classroom, I think. <sighs> and that, yeah. Oh, my on. gosh. Well, that's getting schooled by a six year old. That sounds way worse than, I, than I'm disappointed. That's oh, it was brutal. <laughs> well, because I would hear that as a kid and I go, oh, great. I, I was won. so stressed. I went out for a smoke. Oh, <laughs> <man>. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start drinking again. Um, Holy but then I finally quit. And then we went for a walk on the beach. My kids are all grown now. We're grown at that time. Still are. Um, you don't regress, just so you know. <laughs> Fun facts. And I smoked a cigar walking on Dallas Road and flicked it into the ocean. We took pictures. Um, we had to retake the last picture, though, because when I flicked it, it just fell. Yeah. So we had to retake it, so we got caught in the air. And then for the next year, without my wife knowing, I put aside a $5 bill every day, because that's how much I would have spent on smokes. Yeah. And the next Christmas, I handed her, well, I didn't hand her the money right away. I handed her two rubber ducks in a in a gift box. She opens the bump. She goes, oh, great. What, 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 what? the hell is this for? And then I handed her 365 $5 bills. And I said, they're going to float on our new hot tub. Damn, that's smooth, Griff. That was my motivation to quit because I love hot tubs. Yeah. Um, so that was my motivation. bath guy and you just wanted the, the super bath? I just love hot tubs. You just get a big hot tub guy. Especially at night. If it's raining, outdoors. If it's raining. Oh, or the, the winter. We, we yeah. had one in Kelowna. We'd roll yeah. in the snow, pop back in. Yeah. Ooh, Something about that. Something about yeah. that. So, so yeah, you so, bought a hot tub with that. That's crazy. Yeah. But that was my motivation to quit, and it worked. Just getting lit. Well, no kidding. I'm sure there's nothing like your six, seven year old daughter lighting you up. You know, up, up, one down. Jeez, she's, she's had a good few phrases in her time. Holy, she was. Uh, that's going up on the garage door. I hope I, I don't like you right now, <laughs> or I still love you, but right now I don't like you. Yeah, that's definitely going up on the garage no, door. No, we knew that she was learning some of the things we were trying to teach her. She was in a. A situation at school, grade two, I think, Hillcrest. And we got called to school because there were some kids playing in the forest at the end of the field and they were using sticks and they weren't supposed to even be in the forest in the first place. So the parents all get called in and I said, I said, Rachel, what are you doing? I said, you know the rules. Why are you playing with sticks and stuff? Oh, dad, well, just the guys and I were doing it. I said, well, then maybe you shouldn't be playing with those guys. She goes, dad, what they were doing was wrong, but they're good people. Oh, God. 
What is this? The Dalai Lama reincarnated? Oh. My goodness. You got a little savior, a little this sage is, in this here. This is who's raising my grandchildren, baby. <laughs> Damn, you got to... Oh, well, Christ, you don't have to worry about with her then. Like, she uh, sounds so pure. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I'm sure she's going to... We all got the yin to the yin, yeah. right? No, and then my son comes up with griffisms every once in a while, too. Gri- so. What's it? <laughs> Griffism. Oh, does he, uh, he'll I'll use different <laughs> quotes and and he'll he'll refer to them as griffisms. Just dad, Hallmark's not calling. Put it away. It's a griffism. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh, you're just so interesting, Griff. You've lived this crazy life. This is awesome. I've been blessed. I've been blessed. I've been in the right place at the right time. I've had some hardships, but nothing that other people haven't had. Um, I've been fortunate to surround myself with amazing people. I have a partner who's second to none. Mm-hmm. and has put up with everything and always supportive of everything. Like I said with my career, I, I was lucky enough to teach a variety of things, to be a vice principal for a year, to be a high school counselor for four years, to do all these things, often without the experience, but with just the interest. She was always supportive. Yeah, do it. Yeah, do it. Yeah, do it. So it's been, she's been my backbone, hands down. Um, I've always said that there's no question I have to die first. Yeah. <laughs> That's not even negotiable. Oh, God. Tell me about it. There's yeah. too many people that I don't think it's yeah. over if, if they go first. Like, nope, okay. Well, Where she, do I check out? If she goes first, it's like right back to tobacco and alcohol, I'm yeah. telling you. Just well, what else is there, right? <laughs> Miss you, honey. Yeah, see you, right? <laughs> I mean, they're coming. They're coming one dart at a time. Um, yeah, and then we had two kids that are just amazing, and they have two partners. They both have partners that are awesome. So what have I got to complain about? Well, and I think a lot of that mindset just comes from just adapting it, like saying like, okay, what do I have to complain about? Right. Ask yourself that question and then literally go through the list. And I've done it a couple of times and it's helped me change my You can own find life. it if you look for it. In but, any situation. But why look be, for it? You could be a, you can, I'm sure Jeff Bezos, the guy who owns uh, Amazon, I'm sure he's got a laundry list of problems he wants to change too. And he's got how much, he's got the more money than anyone else in yeah. the world. Right. So it doesn't matter who you are. You're going to have issues. Yeah. It's, it's, it, is it an issue or is it, you know, is it a blessing? And it's defining the difference between a possession and something that's a blessing. And Absolutely, Marcus. Not in definitely in like a religious sense, but just a blessing. No, You're no, spir- to have sp- this. it can be a spiritual sense for sure. I'm more of a spiritual guy than a Me religious too now. guy. Me too. Now I wasn't. I was raised a Catholic. Yeah. But then there's just too much hypocrisy in the church for me to stick it out. Is that what switched you? Yep. Yep. Um, too many things that they wanted to said it must be this way, and I'm thinking, well, no. That's um, my whole thing. Is and my confusion right off the hop is. They claim that the devil is a bad man, but he's punishing bad people. So that technically wouldn't make him look good. So that's right off my hop. So the first question I got to ask is... Okay, it's the first time I've heard that theory. So, well, I mean, if he is punishing bad people, does that technically not make him a good But person? he's going after everybody. So not if you're, he just happens to only catch the bad ones. He's going after the good ones too. True. Okay, so and there we go. Why so the hell are we talking about the a question? devil when I don't even care about him? Yeah, yeah. But... Uh, there's some other questions. No, my whole thing is, you know, it's like created in the image of God. Well, what's what's that image? If we don't know what God is, then how can we say I'm, you know, if you're... Yeah, there's more more questions and answers for me with organized religion. So, so what's what's your ultimate belief of higher power or if there is one, what's going on? There? I don't know. I don't know. No? No. I can't, I can't logically think this is it. But if it is, okay. Like, is there something after this? I have no idea. Is there right. reincarnation? Like all those things. I have no idea. Well, all you can do is be in, be in it right now. Well, that's what I go back to what I said near the very beginning. I'll focus on what I can control. Why else have you I heard the else? simulation? You think we're in a simulation? Have you heard that one? Yes. I've. That's the one I love. I, I, if I had to pick and choose, I'm thinking we're, this is just a complete 
video game. I'm waiting for the lights to come up. I had that very discussion with a dear friend of mine who passed a few years ago while we were camping at Goldstream once. That everything, we were the only two not in on it. Yeah. And everything else was a mock. Well, I have, my, my idea is that it's mine. We're all in, you're in mine. You're playing, but you're in yours. You see something different than I do. I'm just looking at Griff's avatar. You're just in, and I'm Griff's in my simulation. You're playing your own game, and I'm see, in yours. This is, this is living proof that drugs don't always affect you when you first take yeah. them. <laughs> that they can kick in years <laughs> later. Yeah, right. I got, a, I got a dud that didn't kick in for five years, right? No, I think it's uh, coincidences could be explained poetically through the simulation theory. Religion can be explained poetically through the religion or the simulation. I mean, a lot of things can. There's also some hard proof, like uh, the electron actually has a finite amount of energy it can consume. You're really going with this. No, there's there's actual proof that, that doesn't okay, prove no, it. No, there isn't actual proof, there's first of all. There, there, sorry, there's evidence that can persuade your perspective on this no, there situation. Isn't. For sure. Not my perspective. Yeah. No. Oh, oh, it has the ability to. Or the potential to change your perspective. The evidence, the evidence sure. has the potential to change your perspective. Okay. In theory, the electron should not have a cap on its energy consumption. It does. In, <laughs> in nature, it, it Oh, caps. absolutely. The only, comparison, the only comparison... How come I just got water? What's that? What the hell are you drinking? Well, no, the whole... You've, you've heard the simulation theory, though, right? Yes. Is that if you have base reality and it makes a, a simulation... And then that simulation makes a simulation. That simulation, mm -hmm. a million, billion, trillion, infinite amount of times. And you throw a dart. What reality are you likely to hit? I'll probably find out who shot Kennedy. Exactly, right? Exactly. So that's the simulation. That's right. what I'm saying. So Is he dead? I don't know. I don't like that one. That's way before my time. I like to just think of what's going to happen when I when the plug gets pulled. What's, okay. uh, I like to have a peace of mind when the, when the screen goes black that it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Is that enough, though? This is taking a very weird turn. Very right. This is this is a typical conversation with me now. That's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you this, Edgar. How did you get? Um, was teaching always on the horizon for you from the get-go? Since grade ten. Since grade ten, really? I either wanted to be a teacher or a lawyer. But I wanted to be a criminal lawyer. But then the thought of defending someone who I knew was guilty, I couldn't mesh that with my own beliefs. Even if the person was salvageable? I shouldn't say salvageable. That sounds but like if they're guilty, I can't go into a courtroom and defend them and, defend and, them. and try okay. and get them off on something I know they did. Even if it was to find a loophole? Like, That's so, my point. Okay, so you didn't want to cheat a system in order to... I didn't want to defend to someone who I knew had done something horrible. Okay. Um, and so I tossed law aside. And since grade... Yeah, since grade 10, I always wanted to be a teacher. Well, I just I did well in school. Um, I always found school to be a, a happy place. So one of the biggest adjustments I had as an early teacher was getting to kids that didn't enjoy school because for me that was so foreign. Why would you not like it? Yeah. Well, because I suck at it. Well, okay, we'll get better. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, thanks for that advice. Um, so that's I struggled with that at first, and I struggled with kids from with multiple parents because I came from a very typical Irish Catholic family. You know, two parents, six kids. That was the norm. So I remember teaching an outdoor class my first year. We're walking along the beach, and between the four of us, there was like 14 parents. Damn. And I'm thinking, wow, that's such an eye-opener for me. So it made me relook at some things. Wow. But like I say, I've loved, still love, being with teenagers keep you young, man. Really? Absolutely. You're in a time warp. 
I guess, right? Because like if you especially when, if you teach the same grade, it's the when same people age. ask me how old I am, I have to think about it. <laughs> I, seriously, I do because it's it's just a number to me. It doesn't mean anything. I'm um, similar. I turn sixty one this summer. Damn. And that's like, really? My dad died at sixty three from cancer, but he died at sixty three. I'm thinking, wow, I, I'm about to outlive my father. As far as time lived on the earth. Yes. But how many years have you lived in the classroom, right? I mean, aside well, from the physical number of years, you've how many you've lived? Well, how since, many the, lives? since the age of six, I've gone to school every September. Exactly. But how many kids have you taught, and how many lives have you affected because of that? How many years is that going to add up to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've lived how yeah, many? See your point. How many years in the classroom? But alone? it's but like I say, it's like a time warp. You just you get stuck in. I've always been around teenagers. Yeah. And learning from them as so well. So did you ever pick up on mannerisms? Did you ever start to feel like you were kind of acting, you know, less of, of as an adult, more of a teenager at all? No. Did they never reflect it on you? Or no. Um, some maybe sometimes with the language. Okay. Um, you pick up on some weird slang or something. Yeah, but I'd always question the kids on it to figure out how this to use okay. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Am I being a fool? Yeah, yeah. Um, I just for me it was always just be who I am. Like I didn't have a teacher persona. Okay. You I, didn't have someone that there was no character. No what you see is who I am. I was the same sarcastic son of a bitch at home. And I think that's why we, like, you resonated with, with a lot of people similar to me. is because we needed that realism. We needed to know that this is who we got. And I think you, that's why you, you probably resonated with kids, the troubled kids more so, right? The kids who didn't think that school was, was worth it. Yeah, and like you said earlier, Marcus, I wasn't afraid to call a spade a spade. True. Even, um, if, you, even if you necessarily weren't right or wrong, right? But and, kids knew, if they asked me a question, they knew they were going to get an honest answer. They weren't going to get the pat answer. They weren't going to get the plead correct answer. They were going to get my opinion. I like, and I like to pride myself on that and influenced yeah. a little bit by you in that sense. That too. way, if I say something good to you, you know that that's legit too. I'm not just trying to, you know, blow up your balloon. Right. And I, and I, I, there's something, there's something weird about when people come to you and they say, listen, I need the, I need you to hit me with the truth because nobody's giving it to me right now. There's something I feel very prideful about that. Yeah. And I know it's egotistical, but it's true. I feel really good when someone comes to me and says, Nobody will tell me if this is good or bad. Can you please give me the straight answer? I know it's coming from you. And yeah. there's something about that. I feel good. You so should. I feel good to, to know that people come to me because they know I'm authentic. Absolutely. There's, it's just easier too. But it's, it's difficult to be yourself. I find people have difficulty being themselves in today's day and age of avatars and social media pages. Yes, because there's too much out there. Promotion. Whatever, than, whatever you do has been magnified tenfold nowadays. Well, and you can select and choose what people see, right? I mean, how many people are too afraid to expose with their deepest thoughts that they're thinking at 2 a.m. when they can't sleep but are quick to put the photo of them in the bikini on Mexico, right? And, and I try to just say, screw it. Like, if I'm going to put a thought online, like, it's going to be a thought that I have. Yeah, yeah. There can't be I a mean, specific thought. Without... without uh, Butchering my own career, thank God there weren't classrooms and videos at the early I'm, part of my career. I'm sure. As to some of the antics that I <laughs> may have caused. But it was back when you could do that, right? That, back when that was part of learning is kind of doing those antics. Yes. It's those antics. Excuse me, I'm still getting over this cold. It's okay. But yeah, now everything everything is, is available to everybody. Um, I say there's no ignorance left. You can't be ignorant to learning because it's like, okay, hey, well, you know, how do I find circumference? I don't know. It's like you have a phone. If you can't find it on the phone, ask, you know, you know, exhaust your resources and then go seek help. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny. Yeah. There's been some big changes. That's for sure. That I've seen over the 30 plus years. Well, you got out kind of right before the real 
big boom, right? I mean, yeah. around our, our time when I was graduating, it was uh, school systems still didn't really know how to approach technology. There was no, no you not weren't a, allowed right. to bring a phone in, right? We didn't see it as a tool. We saw it as a as a, a problem, not as something that Absolutely. could be a benefit, right? Absolutely. And so, kids knew more about the stuff than the adults did. Yeah, and we were using them for the wrong reasons. We weren't using it as research tools. Yep. We were using it as distraction tools. So. Yep. Yeah, it was a learning process, and I'm sure it still is. I mean, because the kids graduating now would have grown up. But the up technology in schools now is unbelievable. There's one teacher I know at Oak Bay. He doesn't hand out one piece of paper all year. That's awesome. Everything's online. That's awesome. Everything's online. But see, I need we need that. We and need that, with, that forward thinking. With Google Classroom, they always have access to whatever's going on. So whether they're at home, whether they're at the bus stop, they can access everything all the time. That to me just sounds like a teacher who went, oh, what date today? Oh, it's 2018? Right. We're in the future. Yeah, like zero pieces of paper. That and <laughs> from start to finish. And the plastic bag, like because the waste thing, the plastic bag thing right now is blowing me. Up. How is it in 2018 we still are, or we're just getting plastic bags out the door now? I mean, convenience. Blows, that's why it blows me away. But it's convenience. But it's convenient to sell the ba- the reusable bags for 50 cents too, and that's less plastic. No, because the plastic bags were free. The reusable bags cost me. So it's convenient to cost. But when you see Garbage Island on Google Images, you go, ooh, I'm not going to get a plastic bag anymore. Until the next time I'm at a store and that's all they have. Very true. I'm a paper guy, though. I, I just started. Yeah, but people people have been programmed to be convenient rather than rather than practical and caring. But I think that comes from not living in the moment, like we say. It's not yeah. being aware and not being appreciative of what you have here right now. But sometimes it's just easier. Very true. It's easier to be convenient. Well, let's be honest. It's yeah. Who's not picking up that plastic bag? Yeah. Oh, can I bag your groceries? Absolutely. Paper, plastic. I like the handles. Plastic, please. <laughs> <laughs> we still got, what, two more months before that uh, government <laughs> ban kicks in? Give me that plastic, sweetheart. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> sweet, sweet plastic. Uh, I don't know who let that stuff go through. Like, that must have been revolutionary at the time. They were like, this is going to change the world. They must have not been able to see the consequences of plastic. The consequences of tobacco or the consequences of... But tobacco in itself is not the issue, right? The cigarettes are filled with everything else. Same with... Right. So how do we let that go through? How do we let companies do that? True. Well, and that's where I don't get it because tobacco in, in the 1800s was just loose leaf tobacco. You were smoking tobacco. You weren't smoking chemicals mm-hmm. and things along those lines. So where, you know, mass production, it comes to convenience. It's crazy. And then one little thing. I mean, I look at... Have you ever how done the... I, sorry? Go ahead. I was going to say, have you ever looked into the history of, of uh, why marijuana and THC and CBD are illegal? And it's uh, it had something to do with the cotton gin. Oh, yeah? And, and how that uh, the marijuana and hemp was going to make the clothing industry change and have to get rid of the cotton gin. And all these mad billionaires with cotton gins were like, well, that's going to cost us too much money. Let's just get marijuana banned without knowing what it was. So they called it marijuana, which is uh, – it's one guy in particular. I can't think of his name right now. Um, but he had the it was the cotton leading cotton exporter in America at the time, okay. and uh, he called it marijuana, which is Mexican for like crazy or wild tobacco. Literally, is it? Tra- it's it's a I think it's a one for one translation. To marijuana is wild tobacco, and he got congressmen all on board to to ban marijuana and its its properties, which subsequently was the CBDs, the THC, and the hemp. And that's why for the longest time, none of those those uh, products were available. And, and that's why you, it's just now getting through the board oh, because of some crazy businessman back in, I think, like 17 or 18, 836 or something. was like, oh, no, I'm not switching my cotton gins over to marijuana gins. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, that's so funny. Right. So it's the small little butterfly effects that we can't see today that yep. will change the world in, in 150 years. For sure. 
And that's, I, I just think we need crazier thinkers in the boardrooms when those ideas get pitched. So that weird, crazy guy in the background goes, yeah, but what about in 150 years? You know, when, when we can do some research on this product, we find it's, it's revolutionary. Well, he might be onto something, but right now let's just keep going forward, you know? That would be lovely to think that that would happen, but you've got too many people that are looking for convenience and cost. Like, but think, there, think of the whole idea of, work? but think of the whole idea of, with, of food and buying local. Am I going to pay more for my tomatoes because they're from Duncan as opposed to the ones that are from California? Yeah, well, and and the the, the grocery stores aren't doing their due diligence and telling you that to, you know here's the Duncan ones and here's the ones not from. Local. But it's not up to them. If if I care, it's Very up to true. me. Very true. What I can again, what I can control, yeah. but the convenience of buying them and saving a couple of bucks, people are going to do that. But at the same time, I think the local markets are very uh, entitled. I think local local business owners have a have their noses in the air, just as the same way that local people who own franchises think they're a local business. Fair. I, those people, those are the two people that I cannot stand. If you own a local business, you think you're entitled to local customers, just the same way that if you own a franchise but you are a local to the city, you're not a local business. I had a small argument on on social media with one of these people who offered me free service to their their uh, company their their products and I said hey you know I, I don't go with chains but the fact that the manager is reaching out to me that's awesome like thank you so much um, and now you I'll recommend you if somebody ever asked me for for this product and he goes well we're we've, we're local we've been local for 30 years and I said the fact that you said we you know, is is telling me that no, you are not a local store. It's a we. Like you're part of you know, X corporation. Well, there's the whole factor of, of marketing, and if my market is local, then perhaps I'm going to pull them. Fair enough. That I, yeah, I'm not I, that's get just my us. personal belief. No, it's, I understand. And, and then you have on the on the flip side, you have people like, well, I I'm completely local and I'm locally sustained. It's like okay, so why should I spend more money just to buy your product? You know, so. Yeah, people just have egos. Egos, egos are everywhere, and it's it's understanding you don't have to that deal with them. That person's not going to change. No, and I, I, it's it's funny. It's fun learning my ego along this journey. It's really cool. Like I need validation, and I need control. I'm learning very much. My ego loves that. It needs to be validated. Like why did why am I good? It's like here's why you're good, Marcus. And it's like yeah, but okay, now tell so me you, more. So do you do you ever hear that? No, so <laughs> I validate myself. Through, oh, so you through. do get it somewhere. But that's where, <laughs> Good right? To know. But that's where the negative speak, like we were saying at the beginning, that negative speak comes, and then my validation can come. If you're going to count on other people to make sure you feel good about yourself, then you're never going to feel good about yourself because exactly. it's too fragile. Yeah. Someone could say it, and then the next day someone not saying anything. Oh, how come they didn't say anything today? <laughs> I used to live life like that. Yeah. Today, a lot of people. A lot of people do. Yesterday they told me I was pretty. It's like, well, I got to chase that today. I got to be pretty today. Yeah. Yeah. No, no love yourself first. I mean, that, that sounds egomaniac but it's not love yourself first well i my my philosophy has changed to the point that it's uh being able to go to bed and before go to bed be happy with the reflection in the mirror and because there was a, a period at least this year where i was i didn't even recognize like i couldn't recognize myself from the six-year-old me i didn't see the transition into who i was in the mirror i said i don't recognize this man yeah. you're not younger me who grew up who are you and i said i don't like this guy and then it's like, okay, well, what are we doing in the day that we end up with this reflection we don't like? Because you not, you haven't changed. It's not like magic's changed my face, you know. So we got to change my behavior, change my actions, so that at the end of the day, when I look at that face in the mirror, I can say I'm happy. Like I'm happy that Marcus has, you know, Marcus is in control here. Because I don't look at me as me. When did you start becoming so self-reflective? 
Um, after I did a really big mushroom trip, actually. Okay. It was crazy. I did, uh, I accidentally, I don't know how much I did, anywhere from four and a half to about five and a half grams, which in one of my f- um, teachers, I guess, these online people, the personalities I fell in love with, um, Paul Stamets, he says it's a hero's dose. And so what the hero's dose is what people claim that our ancestors would have taken this amount of mushrooms gone through these crazy spiritual journeys and come out on the other side a, a leader of okay. someone very sh- spiritual or someone more patient someone more courageous they would have these traits developed and this is how some people believe this is how the human brain was formed was hmm. through psychedelic experiences um and so just watching these videos of people talking about their their experiences on these and never experiencing something like it myself not even believing this was capable that you could take a plant and and have a world form in front of you and have these different experiences it blew me away to believe that because i'm someone who doesn't believe in hip uh, i didn't think hypnotism hypnotism was real or anything like that you know i always look for the trick behind the magic right Uh, even when i go to disneyland it's like okay i like the behind the scenes magic more than what they're they're trying to show us for sure and so I called up a buddy who I knew had mushrooms on him, and I said, "Hey, man, you got you got a bag of mushrooms?" He's like, "Yeah." I was like, "Can I have them?" And he goes, "Sure, you want some?" And I was like, "Yeah." Ended up doing the whole bag, and I message him, I said, "Hey, what was that? How much was in there?" He's like, "I don't know this, this." He's like, "Why?" And I said, "I just did the whole thing." Luckily enough, my girlfriend at the time just was she didn't do anything to influence me. She just took care of me. She was there, and I think this is why I had such a spiritual trip was because that my body realized I was okay so my mind could drift right um, physically I was going to be fine I had someone watching me but but spiritually I could go explore and not be worried about my vessel and through this eight-hour period I experienced what felt like uh, time travel through different lives Crazy. so I lived a period I think anywhere from four to six I can't fully remember of these lives that I felt as if I lived for 40, 50, 60 years. But the one constant in these lives is I would always find my girlfriend at the end of them, and that's when I would snap back to reality. And who was sitting in front of my face was my girlfriend. And she would tell me that every time I'd snap back, she could see it because it looked like I came. My eyes, it's not that my eyes were closed or open. It just looked like I came back alive. And I would always come out and I'd say, oh, my God, I found you. I love you so much. And that was just the one constant with the mushrooms was it was just love. Like it, everything was love. You could feel the energy from things. You could feel the love that people gave off. It was incredible. Um, but towards the end of the experience, my girlfriend's like, let's go. We have to move. We have to move. We have to go. And I've reflected on this experience so many times and I get a new new perspective on it every single time and the, the most recent one is that when she told me to move I resisted similar to the way that I resisted my parents splitting uh-huh. and when I finally got up and moved it was the most uncomfortable time of my life and it felt as if it was never going to end but when I got out of it it was so much better and right now in my life that's where I feel like is I've gone through all this complete uncomfortableness for the last 10 years and I'm coming out on the other side better and everything is just so much more loving and so much more appreciative wow, and, and I, I completely owe it all to not the mushrooms but to being open to experience and then like we said before the opportunity like i said i yeah. fractured my skull i'm a one in a billion chance that that bad thing happens why can't i be the one in a billion chance that something good happens as well and i think it's being open to experiences but wanting but knowing that it might not work and knowing it might work and just being completely wide open with zero expectations. And that's helped me become way calmer, way more, you know, less angry, less quick to judge. I'm not perfect by any means. 
I'm still growing. Well, I haven't found that person yet, so don't worry. No, and I know that. And I know that nobody's ever beat time. So I'm in no rush to get things done. And at the end of the day, people who make millions and millions of dollars have gone broke. And people who are, have, are, have had nothing have become millionaires. So money's not what I'm chasing. I, I'm, I'm simply just chasing a, a being. Yep. You know, I'm just trying to be happy, be here, be present, be in a conversation. And this tool, the podcast, has been nothing but help because that's awesome. Conversation is lost. I, I even myself, so I'm agree. still learning how to how to actually converse with a human again. I'm relearning because so much of my day is on a yep. cell phone. Yep. So it's 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 tough, but yeah. So to answer your question, a lot of my self reflection, a lot of my and meditation, meditation, and that one big okay. crazy experience and it's not like i was like oh i gotta do that again you know it was holy sh i took three days and i just secluded myself from the world because i was so completely shocked that something like that was capable mm -hmm. um that it's it's got me i've done a lot of research over the last year and a half for ayahuasca and uh, dimethyltryptamine so they're they're similar just because they they sound like they have very similar um life changing perspective experiences I'm terrified of doing them, so I'm probably you know years away from actually ever going to do them. But it's so interested, so so interested wow. because, and I think it comes from my tribal sense. Whether I actually am native or not, you know, by the government size, I am. I'm a status Indian um, through my personal beliefs. I am, and I think it comes like that's why I want. I think shamanistically, I'm some I'm connected to this stuff somehow, um, and I think I heal through through experience. So it's just the way I heal and the way I grow. What a journey. It's interesting, right? That's awesome. But but it's me being comfortable with it too has been a mm. big thing. It's been like, okay, this is how I heal. It yeah, but anytime we bad. change our perspective on things, of course it's difficult mm -hmm. because our our perspective gets so ingrained in how we operate day to day that you have to you have to make an effort and a conscious effort to change, and that's what you're doing right now. That's awesome. Yeah, being open, especially completely unedited and un unfiltered, is uh, it's something I've always told myself I do. But until I started doing it, you don't realize how filtered you how filtered you really are. For Even sure. if you consider yourself an, an unfiltered person, and it's like holy. And then yeah, like you like we've been doing this whole time. You know, it's learning what words I gotta watch, how to take my initial reaction that I want to blurt out, refine it in my head before I speak. Yeah. And yeah. Learning learning to converse is very very fun, very interesting as well. Oh, good on you because it's an art that was being diminished hugely. Through technology and the people, the people were communicating through print medium all the time, and yes, losing the ability to actually have a conversation without it being just about menial things. Well, how often does this happen? Two people just sitting down talking. Not often for, enough for an hour and change. Not often enough. It never really does, right? So I mean, it's um, but again, it's like okay, so if this is how conversation's going to be, I think everyone needs to start a podcast. Because this gives everyone an excuse to have a chunk of their day dedicated to conversation now. Can't I sure, just do it without have, a podcast? But, but but this might be the way that the world's going to move, that in order to have conversation, you have to have a podcast. <laughs> it's unfortunate, but if that's the way the world works, then sure, let's get let's get Producer John a podcast. Let's get Griff a podcast. So not, not but, then, so, but then you won't be famous because we'll all have one. Screw it. But not so you can get viewership, so you can schedule an hour and a half of your day to talk to someone. But I can do that without a podcast. But I'm, so, I can, so, again, that comes down to choice. It comes, guess, yeah. If that's important to me, then I will do that. Fair enough. One of the things you that... Don't need to, you don't need to expose it, I guess. No. Yeah. One of the things that I like almost on a daily basis right now is my son runs his daycare. By the end of the afternoon, or by afternoon, they're outside playing. 
Um, and so he and I sit outside and, and watch them for the last hour of the day and just talk. Mm-hmm. The kids are running around doing their thing. He's making sure that everybody's safe and happy and all those good things. But we just get to talk. That's awesome. And there's no, you know, the phones are away, the TV's away, the, everything's away. It's just eight little screaming kids you running around the yard. have to me up with him. He's probably got some great daycare stories. Oh, We'll have to yes. get him on here and on, to, to come chat. He would be a very interesting guest because awesome. his... Well, I'll get his contact His info. belief systems are not the norm. Oh, I love those people. He loves animals more than people. Um, well, he's going to love... We had uh, we just had the... Do you know Raincoast Dog Rescue? No. So they're a local dog rescue society. We just had the, their owner, Jesse Adams, come through. Okay. And he, he was talking some stuff. So we'll get him. I'll send you the link to that episode. Yeah, please do. Um, so he looks at things through a very different set of glasses than the rest of us. That's very interesting. And he and I will argue sometimes, um, which is healthy. But he also makes me look at things differently sometimes about relationships and people and why do we do the things we do and why mm-hmm. don't we do the, he You'd love him. Well, I think anyone who chooses to go into childcare, especially, has a different perspective on the world in general. That happened by accident. He really? Was, he did his gap year in England after yeah. high school. He worked at a school of kids with special needs in England um, and realized that he loves working with kids. So he came back to Victoria, tried a few other jobs. They weren't for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked in this field. Uh, he's been working in this field now for... 13 years maybe. Dang, good for him. Um, and the goal was always he was going to open up a daycare in our house suite once my daughter got married and moved because we knew that was going to happen. She's going, yeah, she, she peeled out to Ottawa and he, he slipped in there. And then so we took a year to set it up properly. Cool, cool. Did a redo of floors and painting and he had acquired stuff over the years. And then he opened in September of 2014. That's awesome. Um, I love kids too. I mean, I help out with the breakfast program. Oh, nice. So I can only imagine... I can't, and like I said, I like being the 15-minute uncle. I can't do well, more than, than he, that. He goes 7.30 till 5. That's crazy. He's a big guy like me, but way nicer. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the kids love him. It's something about your family. You guys got the, uh, the well, teacher. Well, my wife works as a special needs assistant. He does the daycare. I'm a retired teacher, and my daughter is a teacher as well. It's just runs in She's the family. She's working eh? on getting her master's in counseling now. Good for her. Yeah, it's just, it was like I said, it's been a blessed life. Yeah. But yeah, you, you'd love talking to him. On on air or not? He's yeah, well, well, we'll have to get him. We'll see if we can get him on. If not, yeah, I'd love to meet him. He sounds like a very interesting fellow. Yes. Anyway, I think we're gonna wrap this up, Mr. Sounds Griffin. Good. This has been nothing but awesome. You've uh, me too. Like, we'll have to have you back on. This is so much fun. We'll uh, once we're, we're gonna get a. We're working on getting four mics going at once. Once that happens, once I get your son on, we'll convince him to come on. Then we'll get both you guys in the same room. Maybe we'll bring my mom on. We can have a little family oh, that chat. Could be, oh, that could be, be dangerous. Deadly, right? It'll be super <laughs> deadly. Um, if anyone has questions for you as an ex-teacher, um, can they get a hold of you? Anytime. Anytime. And where's the best place? On your Facebook there? or Facebook's fine. Okay. Email iwantgriff at gmail. Iwantgriff at gmail.com. Yeah. Perfect. So we'll leave that. That will just, that'll be the best place to get you. Awesome. Yep. Thank you again for sitting down. This has been a pleasure. Mine too, mate. I... Uh... I was quite intrigued when you made the request, and I'm certainly glad that we, well, we pulled this off. You're one of the most interesting people that have come across my life, so I wanted to sit oh, down that, and have a that conversation. That could be a sad commentary right there. Hey, i still got many years ahead of me, <laughs> so the, the list is only getting longer. All right. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, Marcus. Thank you so much.